0: Brother Bob that I would have the opening prayer, but after listening to that singing this evening, I couldn't help but think what a foretaste of heaven we have. And I need to read from the book of Revelation. I'm sorry for the emotion, but as I find as I get older and get closer to that goal, I cannot help but be filled with feelings that only God can give when we look forward to that time when we can be redeemed of these bodies and be with him in eternity. And so I'd like to read from Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 9, where it says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our god which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the, and the I'm sorry and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped god saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this foretaste of heaven. But yet, while we are in these bodies, we are in need of teaching and preaching and living out the Word as you have given it to us in the Word. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for whom we would ask the utterance be given to our dear brother this evening and to all of us, that we would be active listeners and then doers of what Thou would speak to us personally. And I've been reminded that we should also pray for Brother Alex Doroslovitz, who was scheduled to have this evening's service, but because of the diagnosis given— has asked that another brother should do so. And thankfully, Brother Bob is, in, is willing to yield to that request, and we pray that thou would fill his thoughts through thy Holy Spirit with that, those words which should be uttered, and above all, that each of us would hear specifically what you would touch us with, that we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: As Brother Johnny mentioned, I was not supposed to, uh, to have this sermon. And I would have very much liked it if Brother Alex could have. I haven't had a chance to hear him preach. But when I was asked, I felt, you know, the Lord has laid something on my heart, especially when I saw what the theme was, and yet I thought I, I, I could use all the support I can, could get. So hence, two elders up front for the supporting prayers and my brothers in front of me as well. As most of you probably know, I'm not the youngest elder. I'm the newest ordained elder, but we have two assistant elders with us as well. But having been given this responsibility, I've been privy to a lot of things over the last couple of years that most of you haven't. And I thought, what's a word that would be fitly spoken for our group tonight? And by fitly, I mean, what do we really need to hear? What does the church need to hear? I'm not the evangelist amongst us, I'm the pastor teacher. Once you're 60 years old, you at least know what you are and you have a little bit of an idea of what you're not. My dad and my uncle were the evangelists that could have the Friday night sermon. But then we need to have every now and then a sermon for the rest of us too, not that all of them aren't. But I was really impressed that the Lord saw fit that I should be preaching on Thursday when the teens aren't here and the children are gone. That teen choir, 180 young souls, 31, are converted. I have the distinct honor, blessing, privilege of being able to teach 15-year-olds this year. And it is, it's amazing. It's so much better than I thought it was going to be. I shared with them, I taught 14-year-olds a couple of years ago, I bombed as a teacher. My class knew that, I knew that, some of the brothers that uh, know me knew that and I shared it with them. By the end of the week I had help in there Then we did manage to get through and I, I did have one 14-year-old boy say, you know, put his arm on my shoulder, and, you know Bob, it wasn't as bad as you think, we've had worse. Well, you know, th- this year when I walked into the 15-year-olds, I walked uh, in, in there with uh, my helping brother from, from Coconut Creek. Uh, brother Glenn was with me, so I felt a lot better to begin with. But I wondered a, well, a few times, why did I make that experience a couple years ago? Very uncomfortable as a teacher. But I made several uncomfortable experiences over the last few years, especially being an assistant elder, as an assistant elder, um, in case you don't know, we get to sit in on all the elder meetings. I shared with a couple congregations a while back that, you know, most of you, most of us, Never got to sit in on those. I remember my father coming home from some looking so worn and haggard that uh, I, I remember him telling me once he didn't know if, if I could stand to be an elder if I'd have the fortitude for it. I hope and pray it's true. I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord gives us what we need. But the experiences that I made as an assistant elder, having started off being a brother who said, I don't really want to be an elder. I was very, very blessed in Coconut Creek to be able to be the pastor of the church. And by that I mean, really we, we had a serving elder, Brother Johnny was our serving elder, we were very, very thankful for him, but he wasn't there to do the day-to-day pastor work that needed to be done, go to visit the sick, um, make sure that things are taken care of, and that includes making sure the air conditioning's on before people get there, things like that. But I felt very, very blessed to be able to be the pastor, but not be the elder because I could always say somebody else had the responsibility other than me. I'm sure some of you can understand that. And those of you that are elders, you all understand that. It was nice when somebody else had the responsibility instead of us. But something happened during the time that I spent as an assistant elder. I got to see how these brothers work. I don't know how many of you might have been over in the, in the uh, I don't know what the building's even called over there, where the gym is and the track and all, and they have that glass room over there practically where it's, it's a dining room, I suppose, a reception room I, from what I understand for the president of the college, and they let us use that for a meeting. And we had a meeting uh, earlier this week And as one of the young brothers that I met later said, I walked by and I saw that group that was sitting there. And I didn't see who you were talking to, but I felt sorry for them. (laughs) Didn't necessarily have to. It really wasn't all that bad. I don't know if what you saw, if any of you saw towards the end of that meeting. Meetings don't always go the way you'd like them to. Even elder meetings don't always go the way you'd like them to because sometimes you end up at the end with questions that you just don't know what to do. We are men. We pray for the wisdom of God. We pray that the Spirit will speak to us, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And you don't always have the answers, even if you have, I think there were 17 of us there, And I've been in one other meeting where it was the same way. We had option A, we had option B and neither one was good. I I don't want to spend the whole time just talking. I am going to read the scripture too. But I want you to get the context of what it's like because there aren't always good answers. There aren't always easy answers. There aren't always quick answers. There are seldom quick answers and I don't think there ever should be when none of the answers are good. I was there and I watched those brothers say, well, first of all, I'll tell you one really interesting. I watched one brother who totally disagreed with one of the viewpoints that was being made. But he articulated that in a way I have never, and not, not his objection to it, he was able to look at that situation from a totally opposite side than what his own convictions would be and basically be able if it was a debating team to debate that perfectly my point being he was able to see every side of the uh, of, of the subject and and not just his own and I was stand, I was sitting next to the brother and I thought wow I am witnessing the spirit of God working in these men I'm hearing I'm hearing the answer to the prayers of those who are spending hours and hours round the clock. Those of you that do that, when we get together, you have no idea how wonderful that is, to experience that. And when we got all done, and the brother had articulated his problems and his viewpoint of everything, and so did all the others, one brother said, "Brother, we, brothers, we don't know what to do. Let's pray." And without a heartbeat, all the chairs got pulled out from the table and they all went down on our knees. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You weren't there, you didn't see it. But I'm here this evening to offer a word of encouragement a word of encouragement to the church. A couple words of admonition coming a little bit later, too. But words of encouragement. If you passed by that glass room towards the end of our meeting, you would have found us all on our knees again. I sure hope somebody saw that. There's nothing more beautiful than to see the leadership of your church down on their knees. Asking wisdom and guidance of the one that can give it because we don't have it. One of the things that I was brought in on as an assistant elder already was to be called into a situation in a church where the, the elders that were serving are not local. They were having to come from a long distance. And so they asked me, would I go as well? I can at least learn something. That's called mentoring. That means even though I didn't have the responsibility, they wanted me to see what it was like and to get a foretaste of how things could be handled. And I I really, really appreciated that. And as we got there, what we basically found was two young ministers leaving. Leaving the church. Shortly after that, we had our first, hopefully, annual teachers and ministers meeting in South Florida. And as we gathered together and we talked about how is it that somebody could leave the church? To this day, I, find a hard, I have a hard time being able to explain that because this church and the faith that we embrace is my life. It is who I am. It is what I am. I could no sooner leave this than I could leave my family, or myself. And yet, the question was, wh- what drew them away? The reality was, they thought they could find something better somewhere else. I thought of the quote that Henry Michel said a long time ago, I guess it was back in the 40s, uh, 1946? 48, 1948. 1948. Brother Henry Michelle said, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's in one of those old hymnals that we used to use. Not boasting, but we have the best thing in all the world. The more we look at it, the more we marvel how much light has been given to our brothers and how much light is given to us in our time. And I wondered... Do we really think we have the best thing in all the world, or do we think we are not special at all? I'd like to read from Second Timothy, chapter three. Pretty much the whole chapter, so you bear with me. I'll try to get through it as best I can. Second Timothy, chapter three, starts off with some good news. Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that do that are good, traitors, Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women laden with sin, led, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, Now as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. That's a a passage where, as we have a brother back home would say, the good news is it gets worse. Days in which we are living probably are the beginning of sorrows, Never seen the world in more confusion than it is right now. That includes our country. We need to pray for it. But it also says in verse 9, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came at me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in those things which thou hast learned, And hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works." When I look at this chapter, I see the Apostle Paul talking to a young elder whose name was Timothy and telling him that the times in which they lived and the times in which we live are not going to be easy times. They're not supposed to be easy times. I think part of our problem, even in the church, is that we've had it easy for an awful long time. And maybe we've kind of grown accustomed to that. I said to the brothers that were there at that meeting in Coconut Creek, the problem that we have is we're not excited enough about our own faith. We really aren't. We have forgotten that we have the best thing in all the world. But others kind of get drawn away thinking they can find something better somewhere else. Sad thing is that those who go down that road typically find out in fairly short order they made a mistake. I met a few of those folks too. After they've walked away, after they've left everything, after they've basically flushed their salvation practically down the toilet by some of the things that they've ended up doing and then coming back and in tears saying how much they missed the fellowship. What is it about us that makes us special? Brothers and sisters, it's time that we stopped and took a good look at what it is that makes us so special. If we aren't, if there is somebody else that has something better, tell me where it is. I want to go check it out. I think this is pretty great. But so far, what I've seen out there doesn't compare at all to what we have. I said I had the privilege of, of teaching 15 year olds this year. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. I'm not bombing this year. That's great. I mean, I do have Glenn. Glenn's leading off most of the lessons, and I appreciate that, you know? But, but they seem to be awake. I give them candy halfway through to help maintain that. But, I, and, and I apologize to the forum leaders. I never realized how bad that was till today when I did it to myself and just about fell asleep in the forum as well. But, you know, they, they, they're, they're awake. They have their eyes open, You know, one of the things as a teacher, you learn to look at the people that you're talking to to see if they're listening, and you can you can read their body language. Are they are are they slumped backwards? Uh, In with the one class, it was easy. Their heads were on their arms on their desk, and some of them were snoring. So I knew I was bombing that time. But they're leaning forward. They're 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 interested in what you're saying. They're answering questions. Thirty. We had 34 in our class. And I was, you know, how in the world can you teach a class of 34? So I decided to ask them some questions. I asked them the question, is your church special? I mentioned to somebody I was going to do that. They said you might not want to do that. Be careful of the questions you don't already know the answer to. You may get disappointed. Now, I don't know how many of you have 15-year-olds that are here. But God bless you. God bless you. You're doing a lot of things right. I'm going to tell you something you're doing wrong before it's all said and done too, but you're doing a lot of things right. They said, it was interesting. The first thing that the one young man said, he said, you don't just tell us the rules. I thought, wow, I used to think they just told us rules. I thought that's what these guys did. They gave they made the rules and we had to follow them. He said, No, you tell us what it says in the Bible and where it comes from. If you look at this chapter that we just read, and you do it backwards, most of the times when we when we review chapters, we start at the top and we work to the bottom. But I'd like to do it a little bit backwards, and I have, to, I have to pick it up so I can get it done. But if you look at this scripture what it basically says at the bottom is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's what's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The one thing that we have that we need to hang on to, and I watched these brothers struggle to do is to make sure that the faith and the church that we belong to is based on the word of God and the word of God only. We have lots of traditions, we have lots of customs, we have lots of church practices, we have lots of things that we do, but the bottom line always has to be and always will be from what I can see, what does the word of God say? And in order to get there, we will spend days diligently searching the scriptures trying to find out what does it really say. Don't just always take the King James Version. We may have to go all the way to the Greek to make sure that we got the words right. Why? Because that's what's important to, to our foundation that if we, if we decide at any point in time that we're not going to follow the scriptures, we have no basis to our authority, to the doctrine that we teach, to the practices that we have, nothing. And so the bottom line, and, and I was so, it was the first comment this young man said, he said, you tell us what the Bible says first. Oh wow, i got to find out who his elder is. He gets kudos too. But if you look at that and you start going backwards in verse 15 it says and from a child thou hast known the scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation because in verse 14 continue thou in the things that you have learned and been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. In, In another place Timothy is told that Paul remembered the faith of his grandmother and his mother. Parents don't expect the elders to teach your kids what they need to know. I hope that by the time they need counseling and as they, as they sit in church rather than Sunday school, they're going to hear proper doctrine. They're going to hear the word of God. They're going to have a good, solid foundation. But people, if you don't teach it to them when they are babies, that from the womb up, they're not hearing the elders said, or the church believes. They need to hear the Bible says, and we follow the Bible. And why? Because the Bible tells me so. Whatever we do, why? Because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. Every bit of foundation that they're going to need so that we can have a beautiful church until the Lord comes, it's going to be found, first of all, at home. And so what I'd like to say is, if you don't have that dedication to the church, if you don't have that dedication to the Lord and to his work, your kids won't. And now the little bit of admonishment. Today we were talking about bad speech, saying things that aren't good. Things that don't edify, but rather tear down. I asked the question How many of you have heard somebody say something bad about the church? I literally had two of them laugh, and every hand shot up. I said, Were they members of the church? Guilty as charged by the grace of God that my children converted when I stopped and thought about that. How many times have you complained about the brother that had the sermon on Sunday while you're roasting him for lunch because you didn't like the fact that, and you fill in the blanks, he was boring, he didn't speak properly, he can't hardly use the English language. What is this? Is this edification? Is this building up the body? You're tearing it down in front of your own children. How do you expect them to embrace it someday and want to become part of it? They're going to be attacked by the devil every single day of their lives to try to keep them in his grip. And they're going to come to a point in time when they may even weigh this faith that their parents have, have followed, and they're going to compare it to every other one that's out there. And the reality is, any flavor you want to find, you can find. We are living in the age of the half-truth. They, you know, there's a church on every corner, in every corner, school practically because there aren't enough buildings out there so now they rent the schools out so that you can have church and schools every civic center has another one down by us every single time you drive down the road there's a brand new sign they started another one and you know what they're huge some of them are absolutely huge they, they have they have youth groups they have everything that you could possibly think of and you say Bob you're not really going to judge them are you yes I am Yes, I am. You know what they're teaching there? They're having movie Sundays at one of them. Movie Sundays. My, my insurance guy belongs to one. He posts online all the time. We're friends, right? So Facebook, all that stuff. I get to see what they're watching at church. Come to Star Wars weekend and learn about the dark side. Seriously? I've seen Star Wars. Not one of my favorite pictures. But to think that we would equate the word of God with some dumb movie that Steven Spielberg did? What's happening is we're dumbing down the word of God so that the world will love it. I had to think of, uh, of the book that I just listened to that, that um, uh, Julie had told me about, where, where a, a writer basically did a, a novel based on the time of Hezekiah the king when he was a young boy. And you think about Uriah, the high priest of God's temple who decided that it would be better to bring the, the, uh, the, the altar of the gods of the Assyrians into the temple grounds, moved the laver, moved the, t- moved, I mean, they made room for idols in the church of God, in the house of God, to the point where they finally just closed the door to the Holy of Holies, and they might as well, because he certainly wasn't there anymore. But the idea of Uriah was if we bring those things into the sanctuary, if we bring those things into the temple, people will start coming back to the temple because by that time people had kind of gotten tired of the old law and the, 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 the teachings that they had. We're living in those days again. We truly are. And and I don't mean to blow out somebody else's candle so we can let ours shine what I'm trying to tell us is we need to start fanning our own fire a little bit. I said to the brothers at that meeting, you know, I, I wish I could have had more of time with those brothers that left. I'd like them to be able to, first of all, I, first of all, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to just tell them what's wrong with what they're looking at. There were some things that were wrong where they, were, where they ended up going, but... They wanted to find a deeper sense of the Spirit of God. Apparently, they weren't living near as close to Him as I am. The Lord has done so many interesting, beautiful things in my life, from from finding me a wife of somebody I didn't really even know. I met her just before we were engaged, two nights before. Hadn't met her before then, although I had spoken to her on the phone. But I was given a name by God of this is the person I'm supposed to marry. And and after, what, 38 years now, I can't imagine my life without her. I'm really lonely without her here. She's the social butterfly that helps find me a place to sit when I eat. That's why I like to work in the kitchen and do ice creamers. Anything to keep me busy. God can do amazing, amazing things in our lives. He's moved me from Syracuse to Puerto Rico to Richmond to Florida. A couple of those which I never want to do, but God made me do them anyways. And now I thank God that he did. But my life, I I said to Tony, our life might not be easy and we may have lots of problems. It it hasn't exactly been great on the 401k. There isn't one anymore. But somebody told me my problem in life was I moved around too much. Every time I got to the point where where I could get a career, really a foothold in a career, I basically flushed it down the toilet by moving somewhere and starting all over again. And I pointed out to the brother who told me that. I moved because God wanted me to come here at that time. Should I not have come? Oh, no, we're so thankful that you came. But that was a stupid career move. Yes, it was. But that's not what my life's all about. I may not be successful as a, as a businessman or as a toolmaker or any of those, but I had the most ex- amazing experiences with God over the years that I've walked with him. I can't imagine anybody telling me that I could find a better church somewhere else or that God could be more real to me someplace else. Verse 14, I want to spend a little bit of time on. I got to wrap this up pretty quick here, but... It says, "But continue though, thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them." In verse 10, Paul says, "But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, what came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord was with me. This next point is, is basically for these brothers, but it's for every last one of you. Leadership. John Maxwell says, Everything rises and falls on leadership. Let me, un- let me tell you something. I don't know about the rest of them. That scares me to death sometimes. But I know who the leaders were when I was growing up. But Johnny asked a question in the teaching seminar yesterday as he was beginning it. I was out in the hall. He asked, who, who is the best teacher you ever had and Why? I said, you have to exclude Christ. I mean, what, what good's that? Otherwise everybody knows the right answer, right? And there is only one. Christ was the best teacher that ever was. But you know, people start to say, "Well, I had a chemistry teacher that I really loved. I had a, a biology teacher that got me excited about, uh, about science and lo, they' doctors and all this. You know who the best teachers I ever had were? They're sitting up here. On the stage with me. The one taught me every single day of my life, and he still does. The other one taught me to love to teach God's Word. I was in awe of. Of, uh, tell him I was in awe of him when, when at Camp Massanetta, uh, he was coming from a meeting once, and he proved to me not only what a great teacher was, but an incredible man he was. When he, when he actually got a, a, a volleyball before it hit the ground by diving in a suit—not it's not a suit, but he did have the tie and the white shirt, popping it and popping back up, and never got dirty. And I thought, wow, that's multi talent I'll never be able to do that. He probably doesn't even remember it, but it was very impressive to a young uh, brother who was, who was about 17 or 18 years old. But the faithfulness of these brothers that I have up here with me, and I'm not here to praise them. I'm here to praise what the Lord can do in men. And I want to challenge all of you to be those kind of men. To be those kind of parents who teach your children, the only thing that's important in life is what the Lord asks of us. They didn't care if I flushed my career down the toilet. Is this really what God wants you to do? Go do it. My dad didn't want me to go to Puerto Rico. I still remember that visit to the house. But when he realized, no, this is what the Lord wanted me to do, 110% support. Folks, we need to continue in the things which we have learned, knowing of whom we have learned them. We need to value what we have above what the world and the devil wants to tempt us with a good time at church or bigger numbers. I don't want bigger numbers. I'd like to have a few of you move down to Coconut Creek to help us out because we lost uh, about 30% of our membership to old age over the last year. A lot of challenge in small churches, but it's time for me to quit. At the end of tonight, only the Lord, and maybe you, we'll know if this brother was at all successful at speaking a word that might be fitting tonight first of all be of good cheer it's not half as bad as you think your church isn't in really bad hands for god's sake don't say so in front of your children unless you want them to go somewhere else. Instead, come and tell us what we might be able to do better. Trust me, we'd all like to do better. But please, search your hearts. See if what you have is the best thing in all the world. And if you're not sure, dig and find out. Make sure of it. But once you are sure, then start living like it too. Let's dedicate ourselves to being special in our children's eyes. Let's be dedicate ourselves to making our churches be special in our children's eyes. Maybe God can turn things around even better than we can. But understand, it's not half as bad as you think. I'd like to call my brothers up for more, a little bit more support and for you to hear something that was absolutely magical to me. The first time I heard it.
2: Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, there isn't anything in this world worth striving for, because we're going to leave it all here when we go, but to strive for things eternal and to live day by day with whatever thy plan for our life is is eternal and is flawless whether we see it in that light or not at the time you have a plan for all of our lives if we saw it all in preview we probably wouldn't have the courage to get up in the morning, but when we can see it in retrospect, when we're old and gray and bent, we can see how marvelously thou hast led our way. Help us to teach that to our children and succeeding generations. Help them to see some part of Christ in us when we walk with them and talk with them along life's way go with us further in this evening O god and let thy holy spirit give the prince of the darkness of this world a bad time as he tries to lure away those who have known thee and also father as your holy spirit Touches the hearts of those who will be touched tonight, because this is the day of grace for them. Praise, honor, and glory be unto thee forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.